Nah. Uh, starting right in there. Just starting right on in, just making goofy noises, trying to hmm. survive this insanity. And we were just talking pre-show about uh, there's a new mask mandate in Los Angeles County because motherfuckers won't get their shots. Get your shots, motherfuckers. <sighs> Come on. How exciting. Yeah, right? I'm tired of being nice about it. I need to do some theater plays. It's my to... cat's fifth birthday. Which one? Percy, the big, the big uh, fluffy one. Percy. Well, that makes it all better. That... <laughs> <laughs> Good he save, just shit save. on the floor this morning for his birthday. I can That's... do this. And, yeah. look, and looked allowed. you dead in the eyes. He did it. <laughs> hey, hey, look at me. Look, Happy birthday me. to me. Happy birthday. <laughs> That's Perseus for Harry Hamlin's portrayal of Perseus in 1978 Clash of the Titans. Oh, oh, sure, of course. I went right. down this week. We all knew. We all knew. <laughs> I went down a weird fucking rabbit hole of, uh, it was a compare and contrast between Marvel and Greek mythology and Roman mythology, too. And, some, and some Norse mythology. It's all and, the same. And, yeah, the conclusion was Marvel isn't nearly as fucking wacky as some of this crazy <laughs> bullshit. It's true. Like, you For know, sure. It's like, Got cat people, fucking dog people. That's that's chaos. That's the Come kind on. of. Have you ever read the Christian Old Testament? Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! All them begats. So Jesus. much fucking going on. So much. So yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's a hell of a start. <laughs> <sighs> Hi, I'm sure we have a lot of new listeners on this one, so I apologize that we started that. <laughs> right, one, but also, right. I don't. You know what? Go yeah. back and listen to other ones, y'all. That's yeah. true, because this is how we start every episode. But I, I we do roll want... up our sleeves. We get dirty with it. We get dirty <laughs> with it. But I do want to introduce the pod so that new people understand that we don't just talk about cat poop and Marvel movies, but we do sometimes. That's we do. So it, that's our other podcast. Cat, cat poop and Marvel movies. Yeah, the CPCU. Cat, cat poop Cinematic and Universe. Marvel movies. Cat so. Poop and Marvel movies. <laughs> Now that you're here and you're inundated into our bullshit, welcome <laughs> to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. And each week, we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at three of their plays. And this week, we begin our mini-series covering... Not a playwright, but the works of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yes. That's right. It's Freestyle Podcast Supreme. And uh, CJ, what are the three shows that we're going to be discussing? In the Heights, Bring It On, and Hamilton. Yes. I'm um, not familiar with that third one. What? Never heard the third of it. One, Hamilton. I've never heard of that. And then the middle one you actually mis- misnamed because there are a couple more words in that title. I'd like you Bring to it on. It. Colon. The musical. Exclamation point. Yeah. Oh, oh was God. there an exclamation point? I don't know. Point? Probably. Pardon me. There Pardon always me. is. Yeah. So those are the three we're covering. They're um, 
spanning pretty much the whole career of Lin-Manuel Miranda being in the in the limelight. Before we to get too deep into it, how, how did y'all enjoy this? I know we've talked about Hamilton a little bit on the podcast, but mm-hmm. like, was this fun to sort of uh, get to go back into him? I know we also read The Haunting of Lin-Manuel Miranda by Ishmael Reed, which we might discuss a little, we'll sprinkle in mm-hmm. uh, into our discussion. But what? How, how did y'all enjoy these three shows without giving you know too much away? It was... I really had a great time. I did I did a complete listen to the Broadway cast recording of In the Heights, yeah. which I hadn't listened to in a while because I'd seen the movie a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, rewatched the movie, went back and listened to the Hamilton cast recording several times, and then we rewatched it last night. And I was just like, it went, we didn't start till late. Like we watched a basketball game, so we didn't start it till like nine. And but man, I was in it till till midnight. It was it was fantastic. <laughs> I had a good time. Um, bring it on. Uh, I did not, um, and we will <laughs> get into details about my feelings on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's legit. That's legitimate feelings. Uh, Siege, you enjoy yourself? Yes, I enjoyed myself. I mean, I love a good big musical, and um, especially when you chunk in a musical about cheerleading which i know more about cheerleading than i care to admit i also know way more about bring it on than i care to admit so um it was enlightening and then reading the the haunting of lynn manuel miranda was interesting as well so i just i had a good time um i you know of course everyone knows hamilton um but i had remembered when hamilton first came out i had a couple friends that were like you think this is good in the heights is way better than this and so, you know, he's so well known for Hamilton. It was interesting to get into his other stuff, especially Bring It On. Like when you told me he had helped write Bring It On, I was like, what? What? Yeah. yeah, yeah. A musical about cheerleading? So, yeah, I, I enjoyed myself as well. It was very interesting. Yeah. Um. So do you guys have any other, because I also enjoyed myself. This has been kind of fun getting back into it and then also introducing myself to Bring It On uh, as well. But now... What is your actual like context with Lynn? Is there, you know, I mean, we've we've talked about it a little bit, but is there, were you super new to In the Heights or had you seen it before on stage or have you seen any of these on stage? No, I haven't. But I had been sort of aware of him uh, from the beginning. Like when In the Heights was, I think it was off Broadway first wherever it was before Broadway, I'd kind of heard whispers about it and that it was this sort of new generation um, of, uh, of, a, of a, a new generation of a musical, you know, from a very specific place and time. So I kind of was aware of it. I remember listening to the, the cast recording after it came out back in the day. And then, you know, Hamilton, you couldn't avoid. I had no knowledge of Bring It On the musical. Somebody may have told it to me and I may have uh, subconsciously just blanked out that it ever existed. And the fact that he was involved with it. Um, but no, other otherwise, I, I, I haven't. I mean, I saw Moana. I would, got into <laughs> that, which, you know, he was part of that team. Sure. And um, so, yeah, I, I mean, other than just sort of being a pop culture figure, I hadn't, you know, his stuff is so big that you can't see it. It's hard to see in small places, you know, I guess in the Heights you could maybe see in a high school or, or a university or something like that. But yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. regional theaters do In the Heights a good amount. I've seen oh, it around, I could especially see that. in especially in California where you can cast it very easily. Mm -hmm. right. um, what about you? I'd CG? love to see. Yeah, I um, I remember very specifically. It was the summer of 2016 when I first heard about Hamilton, and they were talking about it on NPR, and. All they did, they talked about the musical, how it was becoming this new thing and it was getting big and they played the opening number. So I was always very attached to the opening number. And I remember saying to my friends like, oh my God, you have to listen to this. And it was my friend Bart, very old friend of mine that told me about In the Heights. Um, but yeah, I'd, I, you know, we had so many friends that bought season tickets to the Pantages just so they could see Hamilton when it came around. Yeah. And I kind of felt about Hamilton the way I feel about Star Wars at Disney World, Disneyland. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll wait till the crowds die down. Yeah, Which right. is why I was super stoked that, I mean, I loved watching it when it came out on Disney last summer, so. I was the same way, Siege. I, I told myself I wasn't going to see Hamilton until I knew that I could see it without breaking the bank, first of mm -hmm. all. But mm -hmm. also, like, a part of me, this is weird, but Scott and I talk a lot about the contrarianism that we have of when things are overhyped. It's hard for me to want to experience it. I think, CJ, sure. you've also experienced the same thing where it's just sort of like, well, maybe I don't want to. Uh, I don't know. It sounds great, but if if I go see it and it's not that good, now I'm it's just been be yelled pissed. in my face so much. I'm kind of right. mad. <laughs> right. right and and by the time i i even had an opportunity to see hamilton out here when it was touring and things i had heard every song 500 billion times sure. played by somebody you know who was like i gotta show you hamilton because you like rap and musicals and i was like okay you know so sure. i did like in the heights though i had never seen it but i had listened to it uh, a great deal i have a lot of friends who really like it and i never felt that way within the heights I never felt annoyed by the songs being played for me or anything. I did mm -hmm. feel that way with Hamilton because I had no context. I was like, I don't know what any of this means. Um, but then one, once I got to see it uh, on Disney+, Plus, I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. But also another thing about shows like that is that can't. there's sort of a litmus test of like, can it withstand time with other casts and still have the hype that it mm -hmm, had? Mm -hmm. And I think it has somewhat, but I've had a few friends go to Broadway and be like, whoa, they are they are just casting people off the street at this point because it was low energy. It was oh. not the highest talent level. And that's just things I've heard from people. So, so I do wonder if the Hamilton uh, craze is being held up a little bit by this like original cast and the recording and this now this movie um not to say anything negative to anybody who's ever been in the show i have a ton of friends who've toured it um and i'm sure it's amazing but i do just wonder like it's an interesting note and i was going to save it until later I, there is a part of me that thinks that everything that he's done is very Obama era. Yes. And that time mm. has already passed him by. For as right. much hype as Hamilton received for, you know, being groundbreaking, it broke the ground and then people moved on very, very quickly. Mm. Yeah. And so, and we'll get into some of the casting stuff, which is brought up a lot in The Haunting of Lynn Manuel Miranda and some of the criticisms of, of the casting and what that all means but there's and criticisms of the the female characters and the revisionism yeah. and yeah go ahead but yeah 
and in a similar vein, he went very Disney very quickly. Um, so uh, he's, well, sure. I mean, Mary Poppins, Moana. Man, you know, I mean, yeah. he got picked up and Don't swooped talk up by to that. Me about Mary Poppins <laughs> and Emily Blunt. Actually, this is funny. I've talked about this with about Emily Blunt recently, where I'm. She's doing Jungle Cruise. She's doing all these things. Where I'm just like, uh-huh. girl, she's she has been swept up into Disney either. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I would almost venture to say, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda is kind of Disney version of things. Period. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean that's arguable. That might I be also a think generic of me to say, but we also, and I'll get into it when we get into Scottopedia a little bit. There's also, I think that there was a rebuff of him, and he never did this, but there was a, an impression or a, a portrait painted, especially when In the Heights came out and as he was emerging, that he was sort of this rough and tumble. You know, uh, uh, New Yorkian, you know, uh, guy from New York, Puerto Rican descent, and he'd come up through the thing. And that wasn't the truth. He certainly isn't a one percenter, but he he didn't have a hard life either, as we'll find out. And I think when people kind of discovered, oh, he went to Wesleyan, (laughs) which is literally one of the most expensive private universities on the earth. Um, that his access to things and and his that he may have had more privilege than you know, and that we get into all that's a whole myriad discussion well, about race and privilege and all that. Why stuff. don't we hear about it? Let's go for oh. it. So why don't you just go ahead and uh, do some uh... Scottpedia? All right, I will. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Lin, Lin-Manuel Miranda was born with a silver spoon in his mouth on January 16th, 1980. That's not true. He wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. But I say this because I think uh, indirectly it's connected to much of the criticism of him. Uh, but he was born in New York City to Dr. Luz Towns Miranda, a clinical psychologist, and Luis A. Miranda, a Democratic Party consultant. The name Lin-Manuel was inspired by a poem about the Vietnam War. Uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this as best I can. Nana Roja Barra Mijijo Lin-Manuel by the Puerto Rican writer Jose Manuel Torres Santiago. And that translates to Red Lullaby for my son Lin-Manuel. He was raised in the neighborhood of Inwood, which is on the northern tip of Manhattan. He's of Puerto Rican descent, along with uh, Mexican from a grandparent. During childhood and his teens, he spent at least one month each year with his grandparents in Vega Alta, Puerto Rico. Miranda attended Hunter Hunter College Elementary School and Hunter College High School. Among his classmates was journalist Chris Hayes from MSNBC, who was Miranda's first director when Miranda starred in a school play. Described by Chris Hayes as a 20-minute musical that featured a maniacal fetal pig and a nightmare that Miranda had to cut up in biology class. His classmates also included rapper Immortal Technique, who bullied Miranda, although the two later became friends. Uh, Lin-Manuel later went on to uh, Wesleyan University, uh, where he wrote the earliest draft of what would become his first Broadway musical, In the Heights. Uh, He worked on that in 1999, his sophomore year. Uh, The show was accepted by Wesleyan's student theater company, Second Stage. Miranda wrote, directed several other musicals at Wesleyan and acted in many other productions, ranging from musicals to Shakespeare, and he graduated from Wesleyan in 2002. Lin-Manuel and Vanessa Nadal 
married in 2010, but the couple knew each other long before that. Both attended Hunter College High School in New York City, but Vanessa was two years below Lin-Manuel. However, it wasn't uh, the age difference that slowed down their relationship. It was because he had a crush on her and couldn't build up the courage to speak to her. Yeah. During his wedding, Lin-Manuel put on a little performance for Vanessa. He and his guests performed a surprise rendition of To Life from Fiddler on the Roof in honor <laughs> of his new wife, and it became a YouTube sensation. Fun. Lin-Manuel and Vanessa have two sons, uh, Sebastian, uh, named after the, the Disney crab, and a second baby boy named Francisco Miranda. He's appeared in many movies and TV shows. He was horribly miscast in the, his Dark Materials show oh, on HBO Max. He was. He was horribly miscast. Yes. We can talk about it. He yeah, wrote a, we can. <laughs> he wrote a crappy song for The Force Awakens. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> this is true. He did. It's. It just. It sounds like. It. It absolutely sounds like a sore thumb. Um, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda was part of the team that wrote Moana for Disney, of course, which I love. I dig Moana. I love uh, Moana. Uh, yeah, I love Moana. Moana. So Moana. great. Um, and his awards include no big deal, a Pulitzer Prize, two Laurence Olivier Awards, three Tony Awards. Uh, three Grammy Awards, an Emmy, a MacArthur Fellowship, and a Kennedy Center Honor. So suck on that, haters. Yeah, right. True. Uh, but uh, that's uh, that's Scottopedia. So that's the big, big bullet points. He's fairly young, you know. And you know, like I said, and it was his connections at Wesleyan. Uh, I think it was all slightly older classmates who. Uh, there were three of them that all came to him and said, "Hey, expand in the heights. Let's see if we can do this." And then. Um, to, took it from there onward. So that, he had connections early, early on, right out of college that, that helped propel him as well. That just reminded me, though, of almost, like, I'd say at least half of these Scottopedias you've done where it's like, the playwrights that we're talking about right now, like, went to school with Laurence Olivier or <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson or, like, you know, it's like all of the... They, it's, they're just all going to school together at the same time and hanging out at the same time. It's amazing. Well, someday they'll be saying, they had a podcast together, those three. <laughs> and we'll Hell still yeah. have the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get into our first pick, I think it is worth discussing him as like an icon of like as a human, like mm -hmm. as right because I know that there are some, there have been a couple of weird back and forths about you know people feeling um, uh, negative feelings towards him as a human. Like there's you know I think there was a little bit of controversy surrounding Hamilton. I think and then uh, just like working with him. I don't know. Oh, just him being a dick or? Maybe. I don't know. I just remember it all kind of bubbling up and I, I was hearing things, but it wasn't like being really reported on. I was kind of like, what's going on here? So that might all just be hearsay. But hmm. then moving forward from that, there's also been a lot of, especially recently, there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not he's upholding a white supremacist agenda and things like that. And I don't, I don't know that I have much to say on that. I don't feel that way when I watch his work, but I also totally understand where people are coming from with it. However, I don't like him as a performer. I mm -hmm. think the thing he's best in is Mary Poppins Returns because it allows for him to be a little over the top and silly. He's doing a bit of a Dick Van Dyke thing mm. and it works and his accent is shit and you're just kind of like, sure. Sure, Lynn. <laughs> um, but then you watch like Hamilton itself, or you even, and I can save that discussion for later, but 
his dark materials. You brought that up, Scott. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's 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 not even him. It's not that he. It's just an inappropriate role for him. He's miscast. Yeah. And I appreciate so much of what that show did in terms of the diversity in the casting. Some of it's mm -hmm. brilliant. That's mm -hmm. that, that where it's like any opportunity from the book where it's not mentioned and not overtly discussed in any way. They tried to go with something dynamic, mm -hmm. and I I felt that that was fantastic, but. This is a like Sam Elliott played him in the first like, film version, and and it's that kind of energy. He's a Texan. He's a gunslinger. He's kind of yeah. He's cocky, he's, and it just wasn't a great casting for him. And it felt very much like corporate stunt casting to you know draw an audience. Right. And I'm like, you, there's so many more. There's even other parts in the in that show that you could have put him in that would have for sure. You know, been better suited for so i'm i'm not mad at him for that i don't think that he 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 does bad work he's just you know some people get put just aren't right for roles and yeah you know, hollywood tries to shoehorn it in well in the the movie the first try at it was so beautifully they had some amazing cast in it and it just didn't yeah. i mean they changed the ending but also it was a storyline that america did not give a shit about at that point which is my feeling i i'm a big fan of the books i've read mm -hmm. them like three or four times now but yeah i was the same like when i when i watched that first season of his dark materials i was like sam elliott's still alive right <laughs> yeah well they didn't even thing. get hester his rabbit demon right at all wow. in my opinion wow. <laughs> Going after the voice actors now. So. I will go after those fucking voice. It's not them. It's the way, it's what they decided to do with the characters, right. and I mean that more in the direction sense than anything. I like what's her name, Ruth, um, who plays the Nicole Kidman character in the show. Oh, Mrs. Um, why can't I think? Or of her real name? Now? Yeah, Ruth. Um, something or another. She's fantastic. she's amazing. Um, but I did also think Nicole Kidman was kind of perfect casting for that original. She was, oh, yeah. for sure. I do also love the girl, the mm -hmm. who, who's the lead in the show. Uh, though the original in the movie, it's this girl named Dakota Blue Richards. Yeah, I'm actually kind of a huge fan Ruth of Ruth Wilson. Was Ruth Wilson, Wilson right? Yeah. I knew it was simple, and I was. And it's Daphne right. Keen plays Lyra now. Yeah, right. Yes, but it used to be this this girl Dakota Blue Richards, who then went on to do uh, series five and six of the UK show Skins. Which is one of my favorite shows of all time, um, and she plays this like gender fluid character uh, named Frankie. Cool. Um, she's fantastic. Anyway, we have digressed. <laughs> Digression. Oh wow! <laughs> Sorry, wow. I wasn't ready for it. I was off. Uh, I was trying to swallow. And then normally, when I say we've digressed, Scott <sighs> comes in. There you go. Digression. There you go. It's Thank fine. You. Thank you. I'm so day. sorry. I um, I feel off. It's fine. We should get into our first uh, pl uh, pr play, show, musical, our first discussion. Yeah. Uh, the first one that we are covering is something that I think a lot of people probably have either uh, known for a while or been re recently introduced to because there was just a movie that came out. This is In the Heights. Yeah. CJ? Yeah. Can you um, do me <gasps> a huge favor? Maybe. <gasps> Break it down now. Woo! CJ's Breakdown. 
a story about Washington Heights, New York, and its vibrant and tight-knit community. We follow main characters Usnavi, Benny, Vanessa, and Nina as they seek out what they want most in life while still staying connected to their community, families, and history. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, this is this is a big one for a lot of people. This is what introduced a lot of people, uh, you know, the world to Lynn. Uh, this is what introduced a lot of the a lot of people to the culture of Washington Heights, mm -hmm. uh, which honestly, if you want the truth, I I didn't know anything about this. I didn't Me know either. This Me either. I'm the same. I don't I really know anything big... about New York, to be I, honest. Yeah, same. I don't either. But um, I knew a little bit just because of folks that had lived there and a little time there, but not not much. Sure. We're L.A. babies. Yeah. L.A. babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, there's pockets in L.A. that are like this where it's like, you know, kind of boiling pot of all these different cultures. And, and yeah, shut up, New York. You don't know anything about L.A. Back <laughs> okay, off. <wow>. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, New York. All of you. Um, not just Starting New York City either. The whole state. Um, Fuck you, New York State. Yeah. <laughs> what about New Jersey? Nah, fuck New Jersey. Fuck New Albany. Jer I'm, I'm mad at New Jersey for Jersey Shore. Fuck Long Island. Long uh, Island. Long Island. Uh, I will say, you know, I, I I didn't realize how many accents there really were. Like, I know there's the five boroughs, but then I was working on Danny in the Deep Blue Sea years ago, and I had a, oh. my director was from the Bronx, actually cool. from the Bronx, which is what Danny's from. And then my co-star was from... I think Manhattan or something like that. But she, so she had like a totally different thing going on, but she was laying into it real hard. And it took me forever to really get that, get that mm -hmm. thing down because you think, you know, and then you have someone from the Bronx standing there going, no, it's, it's not like that. It's like, bish. <laughs> it's like, bish. And you're like, Oh my God. Okay. Right. I'm sure that was offensive, but that was, that was the voice I ended up having to use. Cause it was just, that was bad news. Bears. I but, feel like if you went to the Midwest, they'd be like, no, that's Minnesota. This is Northern Illinois. Right. Like, right. Everyone has pride in how they talk. Right. You are in fucking America. Well, well everyone like in Kansas just sounds stupid. So I don't <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's Your focal like, point in the Kansian dialect is stupid. Stupid. <laughs> stupid. Stupid. It's like the whole the whole thing about uh, mayor, mayor 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 of East Town. Yeah. Down and the complexity of that fucking accent. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that shit's hard. That's cool uh, though. She uh, did a great job. Did, she did good job. She did good job. <laughs> I know if I'd say it's it's dead spot on. Well, yeah, how many yeah. how many accents are you doing right that's the thing about it is that 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 pennsylvania yeah uh, baltimore through pennsylvania into ohio i always think of john travolta oh, in boy. hairspray oh right right and right. how he like really lays into oh, that and the, accent. And the, yeah that's very that baltimore yeah. yeah which uh stupid sidebar uh my friend laura started listening to her po to our podcast and she has a breath of fresh air like english accent and she said she loved our carol churchill accent but i didn't have the guts to ask her how she felt about our different portrayals of carol, <laughs> carol churchill <laughs> Oh, it's all like this, isn't it? Hey, come now. Spot me a harp, would ya? <laughs> Give me a beer. Uh, okay. Well, I well, we appreciate that. We do. Yeah. Uh, but here, here. we also uh, that is exactly how Carol Churchill said. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so In the Heights. So this, obviously the movie just came out, directed by John M. Chu, one of my mm-hmm. new favorite directors, who, mm-hmm. by the way, will also be directing Wicked movie. Mm-hmm. Re- really? Which... <laughs> I mean, which gives point, me hope because uh, exactly because I was I was fearing if they did that because I don't love Wicked, but I could see it being turned into something really good. Um, but I was really I've wrong. never seen Wicked. I'm I'm one of those who I just I I did the same I've thing as one. I did with Hamilton, where I was like I should wait until like I I know I'm seeing like a friend in it, or I'm you know and I and I'll I'll see it someday on this big stage. And I've just never done it, and I need to. But I know a lot of people who are deeply in love with Wicked. So. Oh, of course, every yeah. yeah, most of all Stephen Schwartz. <laughs> yeah, right. Choo-choo. I saw that at the fucking Pantages with my mom. I think. Oh wow. I interrupted you, Scott. I, Sorry. No, no, I saw. I, that's where I saw it. Was at the Pantages um, here in town. I think I've talked about this before, but Stephen Schwartz once did a show, tried out a show at Music Theater Wichita that was a musical based on the made-for-TV Drew Carey movie Geppetto. Yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> Starring Drew Carey and uh, Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus huh? well, as the fairy. I mean, come on. That's pretty yeah. great. It it was my friend who was the fairy godmother was phenomenal. Her name's Emily Vargo. But besides that, it was it was bad news bears. Uh, so okay. Anyway, uh, in the heights. So y'all y'all saw the movie. You've mm-hmm. listened to the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found the script and was able to read some of it. I just had a friend who had it. Um, what are y'all's takes? What are your feelings about this one? I'll tell you what, it charmed me from the first moment. Head to toe. Head to toe. I went, um, it was funny when I went back to the Broadway cast recording for for this episode, I went and started looking at production stills and photographs of the set and everything, which is pretty much just, it's a bridge, but it's it's very... uh, it's amazing. It's actually amazing theatrical design uh, and how much the movie was able to open up and get out of that sort of single space and everything. But regardless, it's just charming. And there's such a sweetness and a sincerity with all of the characters, uh, especially our four main characters that you're with them from the beginning. And it does kind of feel like, you're getting to glimpse, you know, a community that I'm not a part of uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, may have, you know, looked down the street or something like that. But it's it's this sort of you feel like you could walk in and, and grab a soda from the bodega and and they would they would welcome you there. And so I think that that's what it is. It's like it was him, Lin-Manuel going, I have, haven't seen my people on stage like this in this kind of modern context, in this kind of place, and that he shows it to us with such heart and such love and such passion. And so it just suckered me in. And the songs are great. Like, the music's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Siege? Well, my my, my main point of reference is the movie. Um, the songs are fun. The dancing is amazing, and all the performances were awesome. The story is just a little kind of all over the place for me. Mm. Um, hmm. Can you elaborate on that? <laughs> well, I was I was into all of the main characters and I was into their storylines. I I honestly and I know I told the both of you this. I I have a problem with 
a winning lottery ticket being a linchpin in a storyline, I guess. Mm. And like, sure, for, sure, I can get that. Yeah, for me, it was a little Genji Cohen in that I loved all of the characters and I was into the relationships, but the story just was a little. I the story was almost a little secondary to me, you know. Mm. It felt very Disneyfied to me. Well, okay, Sh- sure. I I would argue that. Yeah, Disneyfied isn't necessarily a bad word to me, um, especially when we're discussing Lin Manuel Miranda or like musical theater, because what do you what did you want like deeper metaphor or like what were you looking for here? Because to me, it's like this is a this is a musical. So what it, what else were you looking for? Right, I guess I was really interested. And again, I know this is more in the movie when they got into the DACA stuff. I wish that'd been like more of a plot point for it. And then uh, the gal that was going to school where she had that super racist thing happen with her, um, with her dorm mate. Like, I don't know. I think think the problem with that is that then this beautiful thing that is so representative of all these cultures and this place then becomes about social justice and about things like that. Whereas I think it's kind of unfortunate that this is the only thing that is a a fully cast with Latinx characters for the most part. I dig Um, that. There really aren't, there's not, I mean, name another one that's come out in the last, that has this kind of blockbuster status in the last decade even, right? Like even West Side Story is going to be half and half. Sure. So uh, to me, it's, I, I like that they added in because that's not none of the DACA stuff, none of the Dreamers stuff, none of that is in the musical originally. Mm-hmm. So they take place in different times. So this one is updated to 2020. Right, 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 and right, right, right. It, I like that that's there, but I almost, I almost don't need that part because I'm sort of like I just want the culture. I just want to see because something we haven't said yet. This isn't made for us. Sure. The three of us. Like, this sure. is very much a, uh, this is written, f- it's sort of like, weirdly, it's easily compared to, like, hair, where huh. okay. it's about a people, it's about a time, it's about a place, it's it's about representation, it's about, now I know there's, some people have some issues with the representation in this, they're saying there's not a lot of Afro-Latino uh, representation mm-hmm. in this. Specifically, and, uh, do- black Dominican. Black Dominican, yeah. right. And criticism. And I think I've listened to a lot of people talk about this and it's specifically one of my favorite podcasts, black men can't jump in Hollywood. They are, uh, they cover things based. They, they look at it from the lens of whether or not this movie helped progress more people of color in as leading roles in Hollywood. Did it? Yes. Great. We love this movie. Did it not? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like they love the Fast and Furious franchise. Let's say that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because it's so well representative. But but with this one, they they brought in a Dominican woman and they really talked to her about it. And all of them were sort of like, I didn't even notice till somebody pointed it out to me. Mm -hmm. And then I did sort of go, oh, yeah, there I do have that uh, sort of thought about it. But they were also like, yeah, but you know, like none of them were Afro Latino. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? So they were sort of like, they, they were like, well, maybe we just didn't see it. So I can totally see a, a subculture of people who watched it and said, I am not represented by this. And what I was, the point I was trying to make before is 
unfortunately that's true but the problem is that in the heights should not have to be the only thing that represents everyone. Right. We should have 10 movies like this a year here, here. where we're yeah. able to represent as many people as possible. Right. And so I, I don't want to get too much in, more into the, the racial stuff. I just wanted to say that out loud because that's my white opinion on it. Right. Um, that well, it, you, we just need more in Hollywood. We need more of these movies. You could also say the same of Moana. Like, I saw sure. Moana, and I love Moana, and I cry every time I watch it. And then I was talking to someone about it, and they said, yeah, but there's a lot of stuff, which I know he just wrote the lyrics and stuff for it, I believe. True, true. Um, um, and I know that they hired a lot of people of color. I mean, they hired only people of color to play the roles or, you know. And I... Uh, I, I remember someone telling me like years after the fact, they were like, yeah, well, there was a lot of people that found that movie problematic. And I was like, oh, ugh, I didn't even think about that, you know, because I'm just busy crying about it the whole time. Well, and because especially when it's Disney, the weight of the entire culture lies in that movie, basically. And people, sure. a lot of people felt the same way about Coco, where they were just like, this, this has to tell all of it because you're not going to make another movie like this. Right. You, you need to in, get every single bit of it. I've even heard a few complaints about In the Heights where uh, the movie and the show where people are like, okay, but they didn't get every single thing that it, that matters in Washington Heights. Like, there's always a cat in the bodega. Where's the bodega cat? Like, things like that. And it's like, okay, but that's just then. I want to know where the bodega cat was Where's now. the bodega cat number? Where's the number where the bodega cat dances and sings about his life in the bodega? Where's the, where's the bodega with the cat so that I can avoid it? That's Aww. right. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, wow. Well, You're allergic ass. Well, you know, uh, if they weren't so hate-filled, if they weren't so hateful, I wouldn't be allergic. No, I, I actually disagree slightly um, when you say that the, this isn't for us. I think that it's very much for, I think that he was attempting to show and celebrate his community and his neighborhood and his people with as many folks as possible. And I think, right. I don't mean, I don't mean this isn't our movie to enjoy and go see. I just wonder because it's so not about us that you know, I no, think a lot we, of people we find be, we should be careful. You know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, it's also about uh, embracing the universalities. You know, all you know, all those people. We we all connect. Everybody connects with that struggle, that idea, that that I dream that you have in your head that you're you're fighting for, and and that you realize, ah, you know, it's it's Wizard of Oz. You know, there's no place like home, and. I think that I think that's what it does exceptionally well. I think that that's what I applaud him for was that I'm in it from from the beginning that no, I don't recognize myself in it, but man, I'm in it. I, right. And and uh, the best part about this whole thing, especially when we brought up the lottery ticket, which is just kind of a a very theatrical musical theater kind of way of of raising stakes really high right but then the whole theme of the show kind of ends up being the desire to get out of this place we mm -hmm. we oh that whole song ninety six thousand is like what would i do i'd leave and i'd go somewhere else i'd go to mm -hmm. this amazing place and then by the end of it everyone's like no actually this is home it doesn't matter that we have if we won lottery or not it's like fun that he wins the lottery at the end like woohoo like that's so cool but like at really what it's about is the does that money buy happiness or is it the people? Is it the place? Is it the time? You know, and, 
And I just, as a musical theater lover, I'm sort of, I can forgive pretty much anything when it comes to musicals, I think, is my problem. I'm just like, yeah, great. <laughs> Boy, Lottery if only ticket. that was how I felt about my home. <laughs> sure. Not. <laughs> well, no, and I don't either. I don't either, but I do feel that way in some ways about Los Angeles com- community sure. theater. Like, I, I, you know, I have a lot of love for this community, and I, I have a lot of love for uh, the, the people who are trying to keep pushing through making art out in a city where shit is so massive. You have such major things like Hollywood um, kind of crushing our, our souls every day. So I can, I can see it for that. Maybe Mm -hmm. like take it out of like where I'm from. Cause I don't, I would never make a, a musical about, Wichita in Wichita, everybody <laughs> hates their lives. Da, da, da. <laughs> I've got something in the back of my brain, kind of in that thing. But... <laughs> right on. Yeah, about the mid a musical about the Midwest. No, just about horrible white people. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that should probably be all of the it's art an we Alex make for Jones the next musical. ten years. Ooh, just call it Infowars the musical. I don't know. I've got like ten different ti- working titles right now. So there you go. <laughs> People just stole that idea. You Here's a fun get, fact: you best copyright. They don't some know shit. the whole thing yet, though. Well, you best copyright some shit real fast. <laughs> get into it. Yeah, uh, tra- trademark. It's okay. I'll never write it. I've had a million ideas and never done anything about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the the thematic statement of I think everyone in Los An- Los Angeles, so it's fine. Um, here's a rebel. fun fact about the movie. Uh, since we're not all super inundated with the musical, I I don't know a lot of differences uh, that happen between the movie and the musical. I uh, did I, some research on that. Okay, so. cool. I'd love to hear some of that because one of the only things I really know about is like there's a few other songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Abuela, Claudia, has has a few other songs that people were like really missing. I had a couple friends who were like, oh God, I really love her other song and it wasn't mm. there and things like that. And she uh, tells the Usnavi story in one of her songs. She's got a good act one pre-closer. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but Scott, what were some of those that you found? Okay. Like there, there's a bunch of little things that uh, they cut about um, six songs from, from the musical for the movie and then added one, one new one for the movie. Um, like I said earlier, the set is, is sort of the George Washington bridge against a deep blue sky. And it's very beautiful. And it was open and you can create le- levels and all that in terms of staging. Um, so the movie just obviously opens it up. Um, Jimmy Smith's character is a widower in the movie, but he had a wife in the original Broadway show, uh, Camilla. Um, and she basically she acted as sort of, the sounding board in between the father-daughter fights hmm. and that. Um, so they got rid of that character. Uh, a new uh, a new named character is added to the salon, uh, Kuka, um, who's portrayed by Dasha Pala- Palanco Orange from is Orange is the New Black. Black. Yeah, yeah. Uh, She was great. She was really, yeah. really great. That, that whole nail salon scene is on fire that's when the movie kicks off for me i mean the whole move the whole beginning's great but once it gets there i'm just like oh john m chu you have my soul like i'm here for this the chick playing danielle was the original mimi from rent 
Right. Correct. Yes. Which yes. Was yes. A fun She's find fantastic. For me. Yeah. Very fun. Um, Sonny's Sonny does not have a father in, in, in the original Broadway show. Mark Anthony plays his father in the movie. And Which I, I like unbelievable. That. Oh, he was great. Yeah. Everyone yeah. was talking about his cameo when I was looking that up. It was really good. That was a really solid uh, little cameo and, and well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for great. sure. Oh, well, yeah, he was magnificent. Um, Vanessa isn't a fashion designer in the original musical. She has uh, some other shit. Um, where's a, uh, well, she's more strictly inspired to be a hairdresser, I guess. So we mm, kind of changed okay. that up. Um, is he, what says, oh, I'm sorry. I just lost place on my notes and I had to recover them. Nina and Benny, um, are now renewing a relationship in the movie that they had before she left for Stanford in mm-hmm. the musical. They are starting a new, oh, okay. uh, yeah. Also, Mr. Rosario doesn't object, uh, because Benny is black, at least not that we see on screen. Uh, Daniela and one of her employees, Carla, uh, are now mar- a married lesbian couple. We know this because they wake up in bed together in the opening morning montage scene. Although apparently if you blink, you'll miss it. Um, hmm. There were some other things. Uh, Olga Meredes, who plays Abuela Claudia, uh, she was the only one from the Broadway musical who was in the movie. Oh, cool. And, well, and, and LMM. Well, yes, but he didn't play the same part. Correct. Yes. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, what else. she's phenomenal. The, I mean, Abuela Claudia is just, Olga is. She's next lovely. Level. Right. Yeah. Um, but then the big things were there were references to gentr- gentrification uh, and Latino pride in the stage musical. Uh, Hudes, who's the wrote the book and was the screenwriter, uh, made the politics a little bit more explicit in here. Then Nina's reason for disliking her first year at Stanford is not just alienation, uh, but it's also discrimination in the racial profiling that was not in the original. So it was just it seemed to be like tweaking and things to sort of expedite and move move stuff along the six songs. Yeah, also the show I think is like is like three hours long. This movie's mm-hmm. like two and a half. I think yeah. it could have been four. Yeah. You know, if they had like really left it in and taken the time with the things that they uh that they really did. Um I would like to talk about uh Hudes, Chiara Alegria Hudes. Um mm-hmm. she wrote the book of the original musical um and wrote the screenplay as well. So she did all of those edits and mm. um they have both separately won Pulitzer Prizes for drama. So she won it in 2012 for her play Water by the Spoonful, possibly yeah. my favorite play of all time. And he won it in 2016 for Hamilton, obviously. And then they were uh, both joint finalists for In the Heights in 2009, hmm. uh, but they lost to Ruined by Lynn Nottage. Oh, interesting. Ah, all right. A phenomenal play. That, and we, it's we, great. We have Lynn on our next season. Uh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, for sure. Fun is maybe not the right word. It's going to be no, awesome it'll be, to talk yeah, to yeah, it'll yeah, be yeah, yeah, I can't. Talk about her. Um, Love so play. can we talk about real quick? Because I think that what one of the things I wanted to say about the movie and choose direction of it, I think that this might go down in a couple of years. And we'll see what happens when... Spielberg's West Side Story comes out later this year. I'm really excited about that. I yeah. am not in any way excited about it. It looks like a crappy remake to me, but I'll I'll wait and I'm see. I'm interested. I'll wait and see. But I will say that I think that this might go down as one of the best musical adaptations in a very long time. 
This is an extremely good film. And I mean as a film, not just as an adaptation, but like yeah. uh, the, the Abuela's uh, death song, the, was it, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Patience and Faith. Yeah, it's so oh, good. Oh my God, it is extraordinary cinema like well and just all of it like i mean it was known for its choreography obviously but like scott i one of those first Mm. shots where i think it's in the it might be in ninety six thousand, or it's in the first song where usnavi anthony ramos is singing in the window and the camera is pointed at him in the window but you can see the reflection of everyone dancing right yes i just got chills that is one of my favorite parts of any movie first of all how did you do that second of all it's just it's incredible uh and then from there it just goes up the nail salon but then you have people like walking on the sides of buildings you have the the part where all the like she's singing about her future nina's singing and she's thinking about her fashion desires and then all of a sudden like all those drapes uh big colorful uh drapes start going down the building so like that the color palette is can't be fantastic and the production design oh my god It also just reminded me of like, I mean, the first thing I thought about, and I'm not comparing these films or the musicals in any way, but it reminded me of like the big budget musicals of the 50s and 60s, particularly like Hello, Dolly, where you have, Mm. um, it was, it's not Fred Astaire. uh, I can't remember who directed it. Gene, Gene. Gene Kelly. Gene Gene Kelly. Kelly. But where you have these, I mean, the thing that I was, it was a, it was a beautiful film and I loved watching it, but like the huge fucking dance numbers just the pool blew dance. me away. Yeah, it has like, a, all you're right. of them were awesome. It has a Fred and Ginger, it has a it has a Gene Kelly, it has a, yeah big Hollywood budget movie, movie musical. musicals that people are stoked about. Like it's nobody wanted of... to watch Hello Dolly in nineteen sixty five, but people are excited about these now. Yeah. I... Maybe I think you know I think they had their spectacle time you know and I think now we're we're that we're able to do spectacle again mm-hmm. uh, we're you know without it looking so shitty with CGI and what and it not being practical because sure. the cool thing about 1965 is that they were making it was all practical you know now sure. we're able to do all this kind of magical stuff which is great so you're right it's like this weird renaissance uh, of but these I, movies and I I absolutely love it but I feel like. Everyone wants to watch them more now than they did back then. I felt they like they were mainstream. beating a dead horse back then. And now people want to watch them. Like, I would be, dude, Bailey, you always look up the numbers and shit. How many people sat down and watched this? Like, the first weekend that it came out. Uh, I don't know. Let me find it was, out. It was, it, it didn't, it was disappointing results. I mean, really? but that's pandemic. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it was pandemic just... and, and I... I don't, I don't think they marketed it. I don't think they marketed it well, you know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, like domestic it on opening, it made 11 million, 11.5, which is pretty good. It's total gross is 27 mil, uh, almost 28 mil, but overseas it kind of crushed. Um, cool. Worldwide? Oh, that's not true. Never mind. I lied. It's it's too American. It only oh. makes like <laughs> it only makes like eleven million international. So you get like thirty nine worldwide, which is 
low and I shitty. Don't get it. I mean, and that's what mm-hmm. I meant because I, I mean, on the 11th of June, theaters weren't open the same in LA like they were in other places. That's oh, what yeah. I meant. People that sat down that weekend, whether they went into a theater or they streamed it at home, like how yeah. many people watched it. But uh, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the stage productions uh, nominations. So yeah. it gets 13 Tony Awards. Wow. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Nominated. It was oh. nominated for 13 Tony <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Awards. But it did win the 2008 Best Musical, mm-hmm. Best Score, Best Choreography, hmm. and Best Orchestrations. All right. So, and then it gets nominated for Best Book, which it doesn't win. Best Performance by a Leading Actor, uh, Lin-Manuel as Usnavi, which... I'm sure. I don't think he would have ever won that. Uh, performance by a featured actor, Robin de Jesus as Sonny, um, which uh, he is. I really love him. He's about to be in the Boys in the, or he he was in the Boys in the Band movie, oh. and he's about to be in Tick Tick Boom, I think. Ooh. Oh. Uh, on Netflix, but one of the things that he's in that I really love, that I stand forever, is the movie Camp. Which I've talked about yes, before. Yes, 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 yes. He yes. plays a drag queen uh, hmm. uh, slash sort of non-binary character who, um, uh, it's a really bad movie. Anna Kendrick's a kid in it, but he's he's phenomenal in it. Anyway, the opening scene is him going to, they're singing a, a gospel song and then he goes to prom wearing a, a dress and people beat him up and it's like the saddest opening to a movie ever and it's it's so good. <sighs> okay, anyway, he's fantastic. He gets the nomination. And right then on. Olga, the uh, abuela, gets the nomination for Featured Actress as well. Cool. Yeah. Um, but they did not win. Uh, that was a pretty hefty year, 08. But, <coughs> oh, the uh, some fun things about the movie, though, too, is there's a there's a bunch of good cameos. Jimmy Smits, who we haven't talked about. No, Lost ju- my no shit. No Bits Jimmy Smits, who I no love. No Bits Jimmy Smits. He's marvelous. Yeah. He's marvelous yeah. in this. He was a big supporter of In the Heights early on. He gave yeah. a lot of money to keep it going and things. Yeah, obviously he's a huge TV guy as well. I always think of him on the first four or three seasons of Dexter. Yes. He's phenomenal. He's great in that. Yeah. We love L- Jimmy Smith. L.A. No Law. Jimmy L.A. Law. L.A. Law. But, yeah, I was just humming that earlier. My favorite performance in this, and I liked almost all of the performances in the movie, was fucking Corey Hawkins. His voice is like a butter. Still ain't got no skills. Man, I loved watching him. He is awesome. And he's blowing up right now, too, right? Right. Well, yeah, he had the, well, he was Dr. Dre. and uh, He played Dr. Dre in yeah, Straight Out of Compton. Straight Out of Compton, Compton. yeah. And, um, yeah, he's amazing. And then he was in, uh, <laughs> he was in Kong Skull Island. That's right. <laughs> playing right. like a nerdy scientist, and he was fucking good in that. Uh, as good as anything in that movie could possibly be. It's, what a waste but of time. But he could also sing. I mean, this yeah. was, I'm trying to think what we were talking about recently is like, we talk about all of these live versions of musicals that come out and they do so much stunt casting with celebrities and stuff. But with this, it's so, to see a musical done by people that know how to sing and dance. Like mm. it just, it was, it, it was a meal watching yeah. it. It's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's some fun cameos too. You have Chris Jackson, who was the original Benny. 
Yes. Is the Mr. Softy guy. He's yes. the he's the ice <laughs> oh, cream truck. Yeah. yeah. And he's also George Washington. He was the Correct. original George Washington. Then. Correct. I think he's a voice in Moana as well. He's he's around. Oh, he's oh that's yeah. fun. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah so okay. he's he's great. Um and it's fun to see Lin Manuel and him have their sort of rivalry because you know that they were they were Usnavi and Benny in the original, mm-hmm. so that's kind of a fun little thing. I like Lin in this. Um I, yeah. I like that he doesn't get the chance to be too self-aware. It's that he's not really on screen <laughs> enough. Because that was my big problem with Hamilton, and I'll get to that when we get there. It's just like watching him know his own phenomenon is really interesting mm. to me, and it takes me out. With this, I never felt that. I mean, he had his moments of where he had that face of epicness where he's like, yeah, you know, you're watching in the high. But they'd cut away so quickly, I didn't care. <laughs> I was just like, great, love it. And then he gets his little song, and they kind of cut it down, and they didn't read reprise it or anything it was just good it was just good it was a little reminiscent of um hugh jackman and colm wilkinson in the opening of les mis yeah absolutely (laughs) even though colm wilkinson didn't write les mis but still no but it's still fun to see no it's yeah Yeah. actor wise it's great um uh melissa barrera who plays vanessa is phenomenal She's great. Yeah, all four of those. Yeah, all were, the four yeah. mains were great. Every I felt like all the casting in it was pretty fucking. Yeah, there was nothing. Accurate. I don't think there was there wasn't a performance I didn't I didn't like. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying it now <laughs> here on the podcast. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Hot I take. Really one is. I thought really... Scott liked everybody. <laughs> Hot take. Uh, <laughs> but I did. I just was so uh, again just so utterly. I mean. I think that that's something too is that when you have a vehicle like this and you're going from these fantastic numbers and they're brilliantly shot and you're beautiful, you're just so in it so that the acting a performance you know just sort of picks up and rides the wave of that energy and yeah, uh, it just works so well for me. Um, uh, my two best actor awards go to best actress goes to Olga for her portrayal mm-hmm. of Abuela mm-hmm. and my uh, my men's uh, I was gonna say Jimmy Smith's and then I was looking through the list and I just realized no I think it's Gregory Diaz I think it's Sonny mm. oh, I think okay. he takes the movie for me I just really I think he's fun I think he's got the musical theater of it all I think he's playing it up oh, in the man, right ways that Corey Hawkins I just uh, loved him yeah I um yeah I'm um, I, if if Olga doesn't get an Oscar nom then yeah. there's something wrong. It's a yeah. magnificent performance. If and... John Chu doesn't get an Oscar nom, there's also something wrong. Yeah. Because I the mean... direction of this film, you said it, Scott, like this might be go down as one of the best adaptations of all time. I was saying earlier today to a fr- to somebody, I think this is in my top five movie musicals mm. of all time. Ooh. All right. Which is a bold statement. And I really went through my list and I might be posting it on my new Twitter, Bailey Loves Ranking Shit, <laughs> uh, my top 10 movie musicals of all time. But this might be in my top five. I really do love it. It's up there with bed knobs and broomsticks. It's up there with Jesus Christ Superstar. That might make my ten. That might make my ten. Maybe my not my five. But yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um. Anyway, y'all, I uh, I love this film. I love this show. I'd love to see it on stage sometime. You can Me usually too. find it. It's if if it's not a high school or a community theater. Well, maybe don't go see it at a high school because I have a feeling they're not casting it correctly at every high school. Uh, There is this trend on um, TikTok where people are showing videos of uh, YouTube renditions of In the Heights and showing like all the white 
washing that happens or whatever, but or like the bad accents that kids try to do, and it's just like, Look, just don't do it. Yeah, just, just don't. don't do it. Like, yeah, I, it's like, like when my high school did hairspray and we cast a white seaweed and just changed all the words. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, well, it's, it's like when. Well, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but like, yeah, there's nothing there. It, it's great. It, it's like August Wilson. There's nothing in this for me. There's nothing for you know. Maybe I could direct it, but I don't wanna. I would rather much le- rather see a Latinx person direct this show and yeah. do this show, and that's okay. It's wonderful and i love it and um no white people no comma white people yeah (laughs) leave leave it be leave it be you got you got you got stuff you got stuff um but yeah so all right we want to move on to the next one let's do it let's do it so our next thing we are covering is a (laughs) it's a show that not everyone i think is gonna have a lot of good feelings about it seems like you two are not feeling it so uh what is it scott it's called bring it on the musical cj do you want to break it down yeah i'll break it down (laughs) cj's breakdown cheerleading is life and don't you forget it We follow main character Campbell as she navigates being one of the squad captains coming into her senior year and how her hopes are dashed when she is sent to a different high school with no cheerleading squad. In the end, though, it's just high school, so who fucking cares? Man, so I'll start with this rant and then we'll go on. From this point on, here on out, I will not ever see again anything with hyphen the musical if you've got a project and you're working on it and it's got hyphen the musical i'm not gonna see it don't do it please stop the bit's not funny anymore it's a dad joke and it's a bad dad joke please stop thank you there's a show called musical the musical Oh my and God. It's supposed to be great. Anyway, keep going. I mean, if you're going to like really go meta and fuck with it, then maybe, but it, but that's not what's happening. And, and this, here's my biggest problem with this. Paula Vogel has only had one show on Broadway ever. She's got a Pulitzer. She's got all kinds of awards, a, a, an insane, insane canon, but we can get this put up there. Like this was offensive to me. In, in a lot of ways that a it's so clearly a cash grab it's so cynical it's such a cynical thing that broadway does it went through some you know machinations whoever owns or controls the franchise that is bring it on you know put this through and they did this it, it it's this was tripe for me and 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 angry there wasn't a song in it there wasn't a lick in it there was maybe a couple moments of choreography that i found impressive i found the staging to be flat and uninspired there was nothing redeeming about it there was no message in it and what gets me is that, oh man i'm sorry to go on a rant you're this, basically uh, the critic from birdman at this point i, I this am everything you're saying yeah but, keep going. It, but but so here was the thing about the original movie the original movie is has got charm it's it's about something it is it's about leadership it's about acceptance it's about cultural appropriation it's about the effects of that uh, on different ec- economic backgrounds of people and all that. And it's, and it's got charm and wit that keeps it going all the way through and a very, very good cast. 
the movie does. This is so lazy and so dumb that it doesn't even bother to retell that story. It's going to try and do this other story because the first one's too hard is how I felt about it. Uh, I'm, I'll get off okay, my horse. Go ahead, Siege. Oh, well, okay. I was just about to say, I am here to answer any cheerleading questions you guys have because I was I think it's offensive years. to cheerleading. Uh, I think it it's is, offensive to cheerleading. <laughs> also, my other question, and I was curious if either of you had found answers to this, was, and I don't know how this shit works when you adapt a movie into a musical for Broadway. I don't understand why they didn't stick with the original plot line. Okay. So or let's close to break that it down. Ish. So let's break it down. So this is what happens. So as you stated, Scott, there is definitely uh, this Broadway uh, trend that was going on at this time, but also has not ended, is still very much going on, (laughs) of making blockbuster films, popular blockbuster films into musicals. Now, it has... It has worked a couple times. It has not worked a couple times. I do like moments of Legally Blonde. I think that show is interesting and is and and has some good songs. And I've is heard the fun. same about that musical. Yeah, and it's really fun for community theaters to put up. I'm like, yeah, that's what that should be. Great. Um, I feel like that was one of the first-ish ones of that time too, right? Of the time, yeah, it kind of started. They've always this been whole, doing it, but it might have been the one that started this trend the most, um, sure, because it did really well. And then you know, you get Shrek and you get Bring It On, you get all these things. So <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. I can't now, wait yeah, to cover all the Back Shreks. to the Future. Back to the Future is the new one. Now we also have a uh, weirdly, I found that there's SpongeBob a... SquarePants, which makes me want to kill people. Mm. Yeah, I think it's just like a. I mean, that's the next step for SpongeBob is just a musical, right? It's like, it's so silly. It's like, what else do you do? Like, it's the same with Fast and the Furious. I'm like, if they don't make a Fast and the Furious musical, then they there's nowhere else to go. That's the, they got to make one. <laughs> um, and F, F10, the musical. Yes, they have to. Um, I want to be I'm a movie musical it. then. Tokyo Drift, the musical. Yeah, no, a movie musical. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but so what happens is the, these producers, uh, uh, specifically Universal, I think, is who uh, is who made the movie. Um, they they say we want to make Bring It On into a musical, and so in theory, this this show should be fucking phenomenal because of this story that I'm about to tell. So the first thing that happens is they go to the person who they want to direct it. Okay. Um, his name is Andy Blankenbuehler. Okay. And they, yeah. Yeah. He's a choreographer who had never directed any, directed anything in his life. All right. Go down center and we'll have a scene. Go down center. They go to him and they say, you're going to be director choreographer. He said, well, I've never directed anything before, but that sounds great. So yeah. So they bring him in and he is sort of telling them like, I think we should do, you know, sort of uh, something beyond Bring It On because he ends up watching all the movies. He had never seen any of the movies. There's like 10 of these movies, by the way. So yeah. there's there's Bring It On, which everyone loves and it has its, its, its level of camp and like really works. And like you mm-hmm. said, Scott, it's about all these things. Then they make a bunch of direct-to-video sequels. So they have Bring It On Again starring... I think Hayden Penetieri or somebody like that, yeah. like someone okay. random yeah. in 2004. Okay. Yeah. Then they have Bring It On All or Nothing. Then they have Bring It On In It to Win It. Then they have Bring It On Fight to the Finish. And then they have Bring It On Worldwide Cheer Smack. 
And now there is a new one coming out in 2022 that is a MTV television film sequel called Bring It On Halloween. They're trying to be Disney in a different way. Right. They're trying to keep this franchise going, but I don't think anybody's watching these movies. And if you YouTube, like, like bring it on sequels and just type that in the first 10 things that'll come up are all of the scenes where white people are being racist basically like they they try to take the thing from the first movie that works and expound upon it but instead they just get they die de-evolve into just more and more racist bullshit so they're all really bad and unfortunately this musical kind of falls into the same category where it's a new story okay let me finish what i was saying sorry and then I'll stop. That. Okay. So this guy, they contact Jeff Witty, who is a book writer. Okay. He's done a bunch of stuff. Um, uh, Avenue Q, I think, is his, like, biggest thing. Okay. Oh. And they come to him and they say, like, we really want you to work on this Bring It On thing. And he's like, great. I, you know, I, I actually have thought about that. I think that would be a fun musical. So they're talking to Jeff Witty. And they decide, okay, we need, like, a phenomenal team of music writers. So the first person they get is Tom Kitt. Tom Kitt had just hit it big off-Broadway with High Fidelity, the musical, which is okay. fine. The it's, musical. <laughs> it's it's just called High Fidelity, but it is it is a musical of the book High Fidelity. It has nothing to do with the John Cusack movie. It's based on oh, okay. the book, okay. and, which is a British book by... Uh, yeah, set in England. Nick, Nicholas... Sparks or something. It's not yeah. Nicholas Sparks, but it's somebody like that. Um, <laughs> it's not, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, yes. But it's uh, so Tom Kit is about to have next to normal blow up. Mm-hmm. So this okay. is in between High Fidelity and Next to Normal. So he's not a he's not Tom Kit yet. He's not the person that we know uh, as Tom Kit. But so he's like right in the middle of that, and then he has Amanda Green as his lyricist, who is uh, also does the lyrics for High Fidelity. And then they decide, what if Tom Kitt writes all of the poppy musical stuff for one school, and then we get somebody who can write rap stuff for the other school? So they get Lin-Manuel to come, and he writes everything for Daniela and La Cienega and the whole, uh, the Jackson High School. Right, right. Then they they work together a little bit to do some stuff. Lin-Manuel had was still in in the heights at the time when they asked him to do this they were like can you write uh can you write a bunch of songs and he was like i mean i can't do a whole score right now i think hamilton is about to take off and they were like no no we just want a few songs so he does not write the entire score of this however i think this is definitely worth uh discussing for sure so they decide that they don't want universal says you have carte blanche, Jeff Witty. You have complete carte blanche. You do whatever you want, but do not remake the movie. We do not want the movie huh. to be on stage. And I think the reasoning was sort of like the negative thing a lot of people feel about movie musical or movies that are turned into musicals is that they go, you're just waiting on the scenes from the movies. You're just waiting on the next thing to happen. And they were like, we're not going to do that. We're going to change the game. And, <laughs> and it's, it, it's a, it's a misstep. It's well, a big misstep. But the problem is that then, and then I'll, I'll step off of this is that it, it, there is a level of camp 
to the first movie that makes it why it what it is and yes. why it works. Yes. There is a level of camp that makes this this thing stand alone as like this incredible film that has everyone's gone down in, in the history. same film too. They're all in the same film. They know exactly yes. what they're doing. This musical, the way that it was pitched by Jeff Witte to the director and to everybody else was what if we took All About Eve and Verhoeven's Showgirls, which we're going to do it and stuff on no! someday. We take those two <laughs> plot lines and those two sensibilities and put them into a cheerleading show. And no. everyone went, yes. No. Now, when you tell me that, you're saying no, but that sounds awesome to me. In theory, I just don't think Showgirls is good. It sounds like I do. it sounds manufactured. It sounds like something <laughs> that, that comes out of a corporate meeting that Agreed, but but, no, this, but no that st- nugget there, am I crazy? That nugget sounds fun. Showgirls all about Eve doing with Tom Kit music doing campy because Showgirls is camp. So in my head I'm like, "Oh, no, this is going to be a in the camp right world show." And the problem oh, is so so there's two things I'm gonna say. First of all, I, I think I'm I'm way more cynical about this than anybody else. I'm pretty sure that they changed it so they wouldn't have to pay the original screenwriter any rights. So oh, she had okay. to so she ended up suing them. She ended up this all oh, got settled out of court because she was like, I wrote bring Jessica it on. Jessica Bendinger. Yeah, she's like, Bendinger. This isn't bring it on. This isn't what I wrote and you're using my shit without Without huh, okay. The movie is camp in a campy movie kind of way. You can't turn... You, in other words, when you translate that to the stage and you can't turn it up very much further before it becomes cloying, well, they keep turning it up. And it, that's the problem with it is that it doesn't... It has no camp. It has no charm or wit to it. To right. So a camp. this is the point I'm trying to make is that mm-hmm. in theory, and I guess I'm alone. Oh, I, I get I, saying I, okay. this multiple yeah. times, but apparently y'all don't agree. I, in theory, showgirls plus all about Eve plus cheerleading musical. That to me sounds like a level of camp I can get behind. That to me sounds like some RuPaul's Drag Race shit like you know what i mean where i'm just like yeah yeah yes the problem is that it doesn't do that it uses plot points from all about eve i guess in a weird way but for the most part it is not that at all and then you cast because this is the other thing that they've put on themselves is that you have to cast people who can do they're not triple threats they're like quadruple or five tuple like i don't even know like sextuplet threats because they have to do fucking stunt work they have to do lifts they have to do and while singing and acting and it's like nobody has the tools and chops to do all of those things and understand the level of camp that it will take to make this thing work it's also a bad script right well that alone makes it bad good well and my thing too my one of my questions was when they cast this is it is it half cast that it's like you're the singers and the actors and the performers and then they had a ton of college and professional cheerleaders up there clearly yes i mean like Speaking as a past cheerleader, some of the stunts they were doing are fucking insane. And they're shit that you can only do when you're in high school and you have huge burly men throwing you up in the air. Right. Right. They they got professionals from from T 
tier tournament, the Probably world UCA of- and NCA. And I was, I mean, I got the feeling when I saw bows in the video that we all watched was they got cheerleaders from different colleges is what I was I'm because sure that, didn't they all come probably. out in different uniforms at the end? That's yeah, what I'm I sure thought. that the call was for you know to get as many things as possible, right? Um, Which but that is you're, cool. You're, it, it's kind of cool, uh, and and you're right, Bailey. Though it's it's too much for any of it. And then, uh, first of all, what what I watched on YouTube, the the Broadway version, there was we all watch the same thing, yeah. I there literally wasn't a person in it that I. I thought was was worth the time. They all felt like high school drama school kids to me. Right. I like I and and if I'm disparaging anybody and offending anybody, I'm sorry. It was just I found it so god awful that I couldn't I couldn't even go, "Oh, well at least there's a person with a nice voice that could nail a song." Like it it, it just was beyond for me. It it's was, that wicked time too, where everyone was just like every every lead female would scream, sing everything. True, but you know, then you have a couple years later, you have Next to Normal, where Tom Kidd is writing the same kind of music, but Alice Ripley doesn't do that, and neither hmm. does the young girl. Like they just really, they take his music and and sort of upgrade it to. I don't have to scream this for it to, or like screech it for it to work. So you're right. Like I think at this time, it just what people were just doing that. That was Taylor. just sort of. What's her name that played Campbell? She went on and did some shit, right? Taylor, what was her name? Maybe I th- I I know that I don't she, know. I, didn't I she end up doing the... uh, Mean Girls or something like that? Or she's she's mean in this world musical. still. Yeah. yeah. Now I don't know anything about Mean Girls. I know people really love it, but uh, one that I really do love uh, the soundtrack of is Heather's. I think Heather's right. really works because it gets the camp level correct and even it's doing its own camp level even different from the movie because it understands that it's it's camp on camp so it's it does it right in my opinion mm. this does not uh, in any way shape and form and and I agree Scott there's no one in, in the filming that we watched there was no one that worked for me I thought everyone was was bad news bears uh yeah taylor louderman was the lead she's gone on and done yes like she's the one that's gone on and done some stuff correct right and that was kind of the only one what kind of sucks is that she actually took over the part for someone yeah so she did do mean girls she ended up getting the tony award for best actress for mean girls for Mm -hmm. regina george so yeah which is where we're at right now so i i will say this though she was in the she was in the original national tour and the broadway which the original national tour started at the amundsen so it did a run in atlanta in 2011 and then it did its first non-atlanta show at the amundsen in uh in la and then went on to do a national tour and then went to broadway in 2012 when it was in atlanta the girl playing campbell's name was amanda laverne and she broke her foot during the run and didn't get to do it after that yeah (laughs) it was doing a back tuck they taught everyone in the cast how to to do a back tuck and be able to do a back tuck yeah and she couldn't they said she couldn't when she got hired and she was five seven which is very tall for a back tuck Mm -hmm. so she had a lot of trouble and they said one day with her spotter she jumped a little too far away from her spotter broke her foot and then didn't get to do the rest of the show and she probably would have been the next taylor louderman but instead Broke her foot. So, you know, that always sucks. Here's another piece of the puzzle that I really fucking hate. Okay. <laughs> um, and I know that at this time we weren't talking about this shit, but that's no excuse. Um, La Cienega. 
La Cienega mm. is a trans girl in this mm. show, but it is never mentioned. It's never talked about. Right. She has like a little song about it or whatever, which I am great with. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. The problem is, and I don't know of a single production that has done it correctly, it mm. is always cast as a cis man in drag. Mm. It, oh, ha- it was no. for Atlanta, for the national tour, for Broadway. It was all Gregory Haney. Why? And after that, it's supposed it was to Matthew be in Brazier London this year. Aiden. We'll have to see what they do. Why? Yeah. Like why? I, exactly. Why would why would they do that? Uh, like, and the person all... playing its name is Aiden Morgan in the in U- the UK tour. So huh. doesn't sound like a, a trans woman to me, but it could be. Um, now, that's the pr- the why is exactly right, Scott. Why? Yeah. Why I mean, can't you why just cast any, a... Why any yeah. of this? Why does this exist at all? Just yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit? Uh, I thought like even the orchestrations, like the the sound coming <laughs> from the pit was just horrible. Like sound can synth. like and you can like like Hamilton uses some cool synth stuff like in the sound. Sure. I'm not I'm not against that, but this was just like my cousin Doug on his on his Casio <laughs> keyboard with I got. I got this, you know, I got I got me a, a Marshall amp. Yeah. And plugged it and in and I'm gonna play in the pit. I'm some of that is Tom Kitt. Some Ooh. of that is Tom Kitt, but some of that is Lynn Manuel just phoning it in. I think I think a lot of this was phoned in. Like Oh yeah. I mean I mean their their sound interviews and stuff. They were just pressing play with some mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the the a lot of the interviews with these people, a lot of what they have to say is like is like yeah you know they they there's a quote by Lynn Manuel Miranda where it's like yeah they came up to me and they said bring it on the musical and I laughed in their face and then six months later I was working on it in my bedroom <laughs> you know it's like yeah. yeah I mean I think you offer somebody enough money they're gonna do something <laughs> now we're talking a lot of shit on this thing there is a huge fandom for this musical of course well and. I felt like the the recording that we all watched there must have been they must have bust in high schoolers to watch it that yeah. day. Well, my, they were my, living for it. My, yeah, the only, they were living it. The only rage I had that was more than the show itself was the audience's reaction to it. <laughs> my biggest problem is this is what people make fun of theater for. This yeah. is what people think about when they think of, oh, God, annoying musicals. This is what it is. And if it wasn't, if it had something, if it had just a spark of wit to it, That'd be one thing, but just we get into like all these these trope cliche mountain high burning believe fire like just again and again and again that I'm like, my God, of all the things that you can do of all the source material that you can find, this is what you're doing and you're not saying anything. There's nothing redemptive about it. A snotty girl kind of learns her lesson or she's going to get her butt kicked. And then you like it. And like, we don't have any moments with, um, with the African-American girl, really. Like we don't have Danielle. We don't have any, like we get all kinds of like, you know, of the white girl in her bedroom singing. We get like four or five of those with multiple. And then we don't get any of her solo moments. We don't get, anything to know her by like nothing just ugh, nothing was I, they're following the me. formula of the movie bring it on but only taking the most two-dimensional bullshit from it right and that's a huge issue what I were you took, saying siege 
I just took a drink every time he used an antiquated lyric like rah rah sis boom bah. I was like, oh. come on, man. Yeah. I think that that phrase was used at least a half dozen times. Yeah, and that's a very like 50s <laughs> cheerleader. <laughs> I, I felt like he was like, what do I know about cheerleading? Pom pom and rah rah sis boom bah. That's rah, it. Rah rah fight fight. Gee, I hope I look all right. Yeah. That well, kind of- and then and then be aggressive. Um, CJ, you'd brought up that you that the lottery ticket thing in in the Heights was like uh, this was so contrived. Like I I sometimes will get bogged down in logistics, especially when it's dumb, and I should forgive it. But when it's super dumb, and I'm not going to forgive yeah. it. So the logistics of uh, two days before school starts, and you're you're getting redistricted, and and you, you have to go to a different school. Is so fucking dumb, and it's not right. true. And a, a and freshman it's not. did it. Like this freshman girl is. The um, one who got she it was done. a sophomore. Oh, okay. Yeah. First of all, like every state has laws about that shit. Like if you go, if you redistrict a, a thing and you're a senior, you probably don't have to move. And there's a year and a half to two years ahead of time to do it, so that people's lives won't be drastically disrupted. And it was dumb. The uh, the the evil cheerleader the insanity the, all the they all about Eve stuff wrong. was was really offensive like talk about like spitting in the face of mental health issues and like and not even being good at it like not even really being good at being evil just sort of yeah. maniacally laughing and having red lights turn on and like this was this was a five minute Saturday Night Live skit that was stretched out to two hours three minutes and, uh, and 51 seconds and I'm mad about it. And unfortunately it's not something that like a high school could do like you no. could but like you would have Honestly, to cast of 40 people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or you would just have to have, you would just get the cheerleading team to be the chorus. Like, that's really the only way to do it. I, they did it out in Thousand Oaks, Panic Productions, who produced my Little Shop and my Danny oh. and a bunch of other stuff like that. They, uh, they put it up with high schoolers a few years ago, and I, I unfortunately didn't get to see it, and they did oh, it on man, the Oh, man, I would have been stage. interested to see it. It would have been interesting, but I was just sort of like, how and why and okay sure and the kids obviously really loved it but all i could sure. think was none of those kids are going to understand the camp level that would be needed to make this entertaining they're all going to be so sincere that it's not yeah. there's no way it's good anyway i think we should stop talking about this show forever yes. uh, i just want to say my one last note about the show their yeah. cheerleading arms sucked that's oh, it oh oh Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, <laughs> Siege, I, I don't know that I've ever shared this with you, but I was a uh, I was a yell leader. A yell. That was the other thing too. They called the men cheerleaders. It's like they're called yell leaders. They're yell leaders. For when school. were you a yell leader again? Um, I was in high school. I would only do it in the summers for their camps because they oh. needed yell. They needed big dudes to to lift the girls. Um, so I did it every summer for camp. I would get back from the two week camp spirit camp and then i would uh go straight into three a day football uh, practices Uh, um uh yeah anyway so i think we should be done with that i don't even think we should talk about it next time i think we should be done with bringing on the musical i think everyone (laughs) should be done with it honestly oh my god i just again the even if you even if you're like sometimes goofy Sometimes goofy, lighthearted musicals will will bug me because the, just because of the amount of time and, and yeah. money that go into them. It's like if you're going to expel the energy, like do something cool. But um, 
but yeah, this this was too much. This was of all the wonderful things that could have been put into that theater at that time. Yeah, like ugh, I'm I'm glad I saw it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to get out you, some fire. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. anyway, so all that said, we're gonna pick up next week because. We, We've said a lot. We got to talk about In the Heights. We got to talk about Bring It On. Uh, so thank you for joining. Oh well, no, don't thank you. don't thank us yet because there is something <laughs> I want to I want to ask. Uh, do we have any LA spotlights? I'm sure we do. <laughs> LA Spotlight. Man, there's a lot going on. Theater's starting to open back up, although LA County, just as we said at the beginning of the show, has now had to institute a mask mandate. So some things are going to be crazy. Like Fringe, they literally this morning uh, announced that Fringe would be open with you know very specific and very careful uh, conditions, and now they're reassessing all that. So hopefully uh, within the next few days, the Hollywood Fringe Festival will be able to make uh, some announcements. Um, going to keep preaching about it till it goes through, probably for another couple episodes. Episodes, but SB 805 um, in California is a funding bill that's going to provide much needed uh, money to small theaters and arts organizations, dance companies, puppet companies, all these small little things uh, that exist that make our lives better in the state of California. Uh, things yeah. are moving along nicely, but if you live in California, please contact your state reps and senators and tell them to vote yes on SB 805. Things are, are progressing carefully. Uh, if you're on Twitter, it's at SB805CA, same on Instagram, at SB805CA. Uh, also, just want to give a huge shout out because she's been amazing and I've been following her and she just followed me on, on Twitter, uh, is State Senator Susan Rubio. Um, thank you so much for all of your passion and your arts advocacy and for fighting this fight uh, for Thanks, everybody. Susan. Um, couple shows going on though. Live theater happening in Los Angeles. Uh, check out Code Pink at Loft Ensemble. It's written and directed by Adam Chambers and Jana Lee Hamblin with additional writings from the cast. It's Saturdays at 8 p.m., Sundays at 7 p.m. It's literally a church. Literally, you can go into it's a, a church. And it's a really great space. Both of their and spaces are awesome. Everybody at Loft is awesome. It's pay what you can, pay what you want is what they're calling it. Hmm. So you can even walk in for free uh, but check it out at loftensemble.org and make your reservation also uh, getting national attention uh, from the New York Times and across the country An Octoroon by Brandon Jacobs Jenkins uh, it's directed by Judith Moreland and it has Casey Rogers friend of the pod Vanessa Claire Stewart Ooh. friend of the pod uh, both have been done state uh, both have done Sacred Fool stuff with us and they are awesome human beings um, but that's being done right now at the Fountain Theater it's running Running through September 19th. Tickets are going fast. I am seeing it on Sunday and I cannot wait. Uh, also, a brand new play called Waiting, starring uh, a friend of the pod, Amir Levy, uh, and written by Daniel A. Olivas, is uh, opening on July 24th. It's being produced by Playwrights Arena at the Ooh. Atwater Village Theater. Yeah, it's it's looking to be great. Uh, and I love the Atwater Village Theater. Like, those two spaces mm. are amazing. Uh, check out playwrightsarena.org. Thank you so much. Yes, vote yes on <laughs> five. Yes, we need that money. Give us that fucking money. We sure do. Um, so thank you for joining us for part one of Freestyle Podcast Supreme. Uh, we should say Freestyle Love Supreme is the name of the first 
uh, freestyle rap show that Lin Manuel created, right, right, which right. is about to start its rounds around uh, America to, with some of the Hamilton cast and and some other cool. people. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but join us next week for part two, where we will be discussing Hamilton. And then uh, we might talk a little bit about Ishmael Reed's play, The Haunting of Lin-Manuel Miranda. And then keep your eyes and ears open for part three, (gasps) because we actually have two very special guest hosts of the podcast. That's right. CJ and Scott are going to take a little breaky break. And we're going to have Sophia Macias and Stephanie Gomez are going to be joining me. And uh, they both have a lot of context with Lynn. And we're going to get into it and just awesome. let them really speak for uh, the culture and the people and the and the Lynn of it all. So that's <laughs> we're super pumped about that. Uh, but then our next in stuff is a Bailey pick. I hear sirens. They're coming for us. We got to hurry this Sorry. up. Oh. It's in K-Town. Don't apologize. This is this is they're coming for us. We have to finish. Theater <laughs> nightmares. Uh, send us your night your nightmares. Things that have actually happened to you, not dreams. But DM us on any of the things, uh, experiences that you've had, hardcore experiences, instances in theater, uh, and we'll read them on the pod and we'll tell some of our own. So uh, after we finish those episodes, we begin our next playwright. So let's see if anyone can guess it in our DMs. No cheating! No Google cheat! Okay. The name of the miniseries is Top Pod Under Pod. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Who could it be? <laughs> Who could and, it be? And we might have a guest for that. We haven't uh, nailed that down yet, but we'll be announcing that at some point. But Top Pod Under Pod, uh, that's all. Questions, comments, suggestions. Do y'all have any corrections? Uh, Are there things you would like us to cover? We would love to hear from you. You may email us. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Scott? Thank you, CJ. Uh, A big shout out to Pamela Quinn for writing our Lin-Manuel Miranda-centric song, which you're about to hear. It'll be a world premiere in and of itself. Uh, Pam is a friend of the pod and... Uh, we love her. We love her very much. True. Also, a big, huge shout out and thank you to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song and all of our, our, our stingers. Our theme song is better than your theme song. True. Ah. Uh, also, finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize winning uh, playwright Annie Baker for writing our podcast. She writes every episode every week. She doesn't know it, but she does. And one day, Annie Baker, we're going to buy you a beer. We sure are. Please <laughs> rate, subscribe, review, all the things. We love y'all so much. We appreciate you. Uh, go watch In the Heights on HBO Max or go see it somewhere. It deserves yeah. uh, your money. Yeah, it and deserves your, your money for and sure. attention. For sure. Thanks all. Uh, as always, mouths and butts are the same thing. We will see you later. Get motherfucking vaccinated, y'all. And get vaxxed. Come Jesus. On. Come, Come on. on. <gasps> Good morning, Baltimore. Every day's like an open door. Every night is a fantasy. Every sounds like a symphony. And your accent is fucking great. <laughs> Kate Winslet was almost there, but she didn't get it perfectly. <laughs> so Scott told me Baltimore and me. Oh, she was Pennsylvania, though, wasn't she? Well, okay. It's, it's, it's pretty darn close. Yeah, I goodbye know. everybody. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>
A Puerto Rican born during winter in the 80s. Writer, rapper, actor, singer, one of two babies. He wrote that Hamilton, before that in the Heights, such a baller. Grew up to be a hero like a scholar. His own father was a doctor, and then his mother was ecstatic about democratics. And then his sister was a lot smarter, was a self-starter, CFO. (laughs) Bet that's something you didn't know. And every day he'd sit in and stay late at school writing and humming his cares away on a show we'd come to know as in the heights would soon be up in lights. The brother was ready to beg, steal, borrow, or barter. Then 2002 came, Miranda Wood reigned, he revised it, then it went live. 2005 put a pencil to his temple connected it to his brain and he wrote another show the one we'd all come to know cause the word got around we said this kid is insane man tony wins in nominations put him on the map man the moana music mary poppins he did reclaim and the world knows and loves his name He is Lin-Manuel Miranda And there's a million things he's done And that he's still gonna do Just you